Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. (laughs) What on earth is going on today? This is like crazy fun day. Isn't this great? Arg. How many of you know that compasses are important? How many of you know the word is your compass? Can't get to where you're going if you don't look at your compass. I think there's a sermon in there. You're in luck. I'm going to preach it today. You're in luck. Uh, before we get rolling, I want to bring up one other thing real quick. Um, we have uh, camp season coming. We have not just graduation season, but camp season. We are a camp church. That means that we send a bunch of our teenagers and a bunch of our kids to uh, our youth camp. Uh, youth camp is life-changing. It is. I think the goal this year is they want to take 60 teenagers to camp and 25 or 30 uh, kids. What is so life-changing about youth camp? It's an opportunity for kids to get along with God and get some direction. How many of you know that we all need direction? Now, I'm a big fan of camp. Let me tell you why. Back at, uh, when I was a 17-year-old, I attended the Bongiorno Conference Center where we send our kids to camp today. And it was on one of those evenings when I was kind of hanging out in a service, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me. And I was watching the guy speaking. It was the end of the, of the service, and uh, the guy who was speaking was Danny Duvall. And I had this impression in my heart. that said, TJ, I'm calling you to do that someday. And I did what most of you do when God kind of rings your doorbell. I went, no. I said, that's not God. That's just pizza. That's just me. And I'm not making this up. I didn't even get that thought out of my head. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder. He said, man, I don't know who you are. You don't know me. But God just told me to tell you this. He has called you to do that someday. You need to be obedient and do what he wants you to do. How many of you know every once in a while God rings your doorbell and you're like, okay, maybe that is God. It totally changed the course of my life. It did. Because I had an opportunity to get locked in with God. And one of the reasons I'm here today doing this is because of an experience I had at camp. Now, we've got all these kids that want to go to camp, but here's the reality, guys. Not everybody can pay to go to camp. We need your help. So we're asking uh, if you can scholarship one of our kids, one of our youth, multiple kids, that would be great. Camp this year is expensive. Everything's going up. Camp this year is about 300 bucks a kid. It's the way that it goes. But how many of you parents understand this? $300 for a week is well worth the price to move your child out of your house. I ask you this question, is there a price too heavy for peace? (laughs) So do me a favor, if you can give and you can help, take a look at the screen behind me. You can go online and you'll see on there, it'll say camp scholarships, I believe. Uh, Help a kid out today. We want to make sure that every kid that wants to go to youth camp or kids camp goes. Amen? So they can have encounters. This is not the next generation, it's the now generation. It's just happening right now, so we want to do that. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Such a busy service. Uh, I'm sorry, I got, I made it almost, almost all the way to the end. Thank you, Sarah. Where I was, I was unscathed, I was not wet, and all of a sudden, here comes the big hug, and, you know, I, and I forgot my towel. So I went into the, into the cafe, and I grabbed a dish rag. Have you ever tried the towel off with a dish rag? So I'm still a little moist. I'm still a little, little, little wet. Um, we, uh, you know, in the Harris household, all of our kids are getting older, and they're growing, and I love that one of the things about about your family and your kids is everybody kind of settles into their routines. Uh, we are uh, passionate about kind of, you know, working out, staying fit. I'm diabetic, so I got to stay fit. <clears throat> I'm at the gym and, and I have my routine. Um, all the kids have their routine. Tori's got this really weird routine. She's a runner. She likes to run and she likes to run at night. 
So she'll go out. When it gets dark and scary, then Tori gets excited. She's like, it's time for me to run. And I, you know, I, she runs out the door, and I tell her this almost every time. Tell the chupacabra I said hi, you know, or whatever you're going to see out there. So she's been running and doing stuff. She had this idea uh, a couple weeks ago, actually about a month ago now. She goes, Dad, she goes, I want to run in a 5K. She said, you want to run in a 5K with me? And I said, no. I said, but I'll support you in your running of a 5K. So the weirdest thing happened, Tori got together with, uh, with Anne-Marie and Kai, and they went and they, they did this, this 5K race. I think, we, do we have a slide of it maybe? Maybe? John, are you back there? Oh, there's Tori. Now, it's, uh, she, she normally doesn't run in a tutu. There is a Christmas theme run. So this is Tori in the morning. Then you go to the, the next slide maybe. This is the three of them running. Kai ran this whole thing in like, in like sleep pants. Can you imagine? I mean, he was like, a, he was just a sweat upon him. So we're there and, and we're cheering him on and everything's great. This is Kai. Notice how Kai's holding his mouth. You know why he's holding his mouth? He almost puked. It was awesome. It was great. And then here's Anne-Marie. Look at that. Who gets that happy running around? You know, people get a runner's high. I do not get a runner's high. I get a pizza high. I get an ice cream high. I was at the creamery yesterday. I got my high at the creamery. You know what I'm talking about? And then, and then here's Tori Lynn. She finished her first 5K. I was very proud. She did great. In fact, you ready for this? She finished third in her grouping, in her age group. Third. This is them at the end of the race. Nobody died. Look, Anne-Marie's still smiling. I don't understand that. I, you know what, Neil, she probably needs to talk to somebody. That's not normal, right? <laughs> it was amazing. It was great. Um, and I was reminded of this. As I'm, as I'm watching these people run, and there's different people, different sizes, different ages, you can see some people, and they run, and it's very easy for them. You can see other people, they run, and it is effort. But regardless of who they were, their age or their shape, they got across the line, and they had this, this sense of accomplishment. They had this sense of victory. And you look at these people, and you, you wonder what their stories are. You know, they move from whatever it was, and now they're active, and they're doing things, and, and it's good. And you can just tell that they're in the trajectory, moving in the direction of being healthy and being good. You know, if you want to have a, a, a healthy, strong life, you can't just sit in your lazy boy recliner, eat nachos, and drink sweet tea all day. You got to get up, you got to do something, because eventually your body just starts to break down. You have to be active in order to have a healthy life. Now, the same thing is true spiritually. If you want to have a healthy spiritual life, there are certain things that you need, certain disciplines that you need to embody, that you have to live by if you want to have spiritual health. Now this month we're calling those things the elements, the building blocks of our faith. Our faith is not built on these intergalactic supernatural experiences. What do you do when you don't feel anything? What do you do if you're like in the pirates and these guys appear and you're in the middle of a storm and you don't have a compass? If you don't have a compass, if you don't have something to anchor you, you know what happens? You get thrown around, tossed around by all the winds, by all the waves, by fear, by doubt, by all those things. God did not save you so that you can live in fear and chaos. Do you hear me, beloved? He anchors us. You are made for more. We're the ones, the trailblazers. We're the ones that people should be able to anchor to. We are. So we started this series called The Elements a couple weeks ago. We started everything off with looking at the importance of prayer. It was beautiful. Today we take another step, and we look at one of the other main catalysts for your faith. The main rudder for your Christian life is the Word of God. Do you know that the Bible is more than a book? It is. It's more than a book. 
The Bible is the story in the heart of God given to us, mankind. In fact, the Bible is such a powerful book. Do you know this right now? The Bible is banned currently in 52 countries on the globe. In fact, right now, a quarter of the globe, two billion people are not allowed to read the Bible or to, or to possess the Bible. If you're found with the Bible, you're put to death. Two out of eight billion people. Have you ever thought of that? Why? It's just a book, isn't it? No, it's more than just a book. The Bible is designed by God to awaken the human heart. So it's designed to, to put seeds in us that help us to bear fruit so that we can be not just mamsy-pamsy Christians, but powerful men and women empowered by God to change the world. The Bible's the delivery system for that, it is. Now, these are some things that other people said about the Word of God that I think are kind of important to us, things about the power of the Bible. Charles Spurgeon said this, nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. How many of you older people say that's true? Have you ever like read the Bible and then you've been reading it for 30, 40 years, and then you read something in that next morning and you're like, I've never seen that before. Isn't it cool how God does that? Billy Graham said this, if you're ignorant to God's word, you'll always be ignorant to God's will, of God's will. How many of you struggle sometimes to know what God wants you to do? I'm going to give you a deep theological statement now. If you, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where God's taking you, put your nose in the book. Open the book. I can't tell you how many people come out of this, Pastor, God doesn't speak to me. He does speak to you. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. And the first question I'm going to ask you, if you tell me God doesn't speak, I'm going to say, when's the last time you read your Bible? And if I hear, bah, 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 then I'm going to say, open your Bible. God speaks to us all the time. He does. Mark Twain said this, and I love this. Most people are bothered by the passages of Scripture they don't understand. But the passages that bother me are those I do understand. <laughs> Let that sink in. The Bible's not that complex, but it's very hard to live by. Francis Chan said this. Don't fall into the trap of studying the Bible without doing what it says. And then St. Augustine said this, the Holy Scriptures are our letters from home. We are just passing through. It's God saying, son, daughter, this is the way I expect you to live. This is where I expect you to go. This is how I expect you to operate. So why is it important for us as believers to study the Word and make it part of our lives? Well, it's important because the Bible gives us insight into the nature and the function of God's heart for our lives. So where do we start? Today we begin in Hebrews. If you've got your Bibles, pull it out. If you have your uh, little U version or if you have our app, you can pull it out. You get all my notes. Hebrews 4.12. And again, I'm just going to give you an overview. I could spend a whole four or five months just preaching this one verse. I'm going to give you an overview of some things that the Bible does for us as believers. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Pretty intense scripture, isn't it? It's a deep scripture. What does it mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to explain it to you today. So what does this scripture tell us about the makeup and the function of God's word in the life of a believer? Well, first, let's just start with this. What is this word for word? I love, uh, I don't know if you could throw light on that canvas over there. Can you throw light on that real quick? Miss Kathy, we got some amazing painters here. Uh, she painted this this morning. 
And we never, you know, the painters have an idea what we're talking about. But we never tell them what to do. Her, Gabrielle, they're just beautiful. All you guys are just amazing. And I asked her, I said, well, so what's, what's the, the little ring for word? What is that? She goes, well, pastor, that's a halo. And again, so if you look at that picture, you just see in a moment, the word is divine. Halos, you know, they, they, they symbolize divinity, right? And how many of you know that that's true? The word is divine. If you actually look at the Greek word here for word, it's the word logos, which means divine utterance. Now, this is the same Greek word used in John 1.1. John 1.1 says this, in the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is another one of the, the ways, the expressions that we speak of Christ, the divine word of God. So when you speak about the word, we're talking about something, they're not just mere words that, that mortals put together, you're talking about something that is divine. Now our church, we believe that the word of God is divine and inerrant, and we do our very best as a church to have the word as a rudder. We don't deviate from the word, we're a word-driven church. So what do we need to know about this divine word? Well, let's just look at the passage. The word says this, the word is alive. That Greek word for alive is zeal, which means this. The Bible is not just a book that you read. The Bible is more than just a collection of human knowledge. The Bible is designed to impact you in a way that unlocks things inside of you and births spiritual life. It's alive. Do you know that life can only birth life? Have you ever thought about that? Life has to come from somewhere. Even the food that you eat at some point was alive. Have you ever thought about that? Now we've got chemicals and things that make things to taste whatever they are. Even cotton candy, what is the main, my, my wife loves cotton candy. What is the main ingredient of cotton candy? Sugar. You know that sugar at some point was alive? Sugar cane. The very definition of food for humans is this. It's the energy that we take in from other life forms that have stored it in the form of sugars, carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. I love fat. <laughs> you keep your non-fat steak. Give me a porterhouse. Give me something that's got some fat on it. Fat equals flavor, right? When you consume the word, it's alive. That life that you consume fuels your spiritual life. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 4, 4. He said, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word is spiritual food for the spiritual part of you. It's alive. It's so important that you get your nose in the book. It's so important that, that you eat the right stuff to feed your spirit man. Do you know that you're always taking in spiritual food? You're always feeding something. The question isn't if you're feeding something. The question is this. What are you feeding the spiritual parts of you? Do you know that you can feed the spiritual parts of you fear? You can feed the spiritual parts of you worry. You can feed the spiritual parts of you doubt. Here's the bottom line. If you feed on garbage, guess what? Your spiritual life will reflect that. Anytime you get uneasy, anytime you're afraid, lock yourself into the Word of God. Now, some of you are here this morning, and you're struggling 
in your faith. But because instead of feeding yourself the living word, you're feeding yourself other things. And understand this, beloved, and hear my heart on this. I love, I consume books, I consume podcasts, I, can, I drive my family nuts because every time they're in the car, they're listening to some dead dry thing because that's just what I do. That is not the same as opening the book, the Bible, and consuming the word for yourself. You need to open the book and get your eyes on those words yourself. Those are not a supplement. A good talk is not a supplement for daily taking in the bread, the bread of life. You got to get your nose in the book. You do. What you feed yourself becomes your focus. What you feed yourself becomes your focus. Get your nose in the book. Feed yourself on God. The second thing this, this passage tells us is this. The word is active. That Greek word for active actually means this. At work. It's working. Get to work. It's doing something. What does it mean that the word is working in your life? It means that when you take in the word, this is not an, an exercise of, 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 of passive knowledge. The living word starts to do things inside of you, starts to move you, starts to shift you, starts to change you. You cannot take in the word and stay the same. You can't. It's impossible. It'll start to mess with you. It will. This is why it's so important that you read the word every day. Even when sometimes you don't feel like it, you read it. Even when you sometimes don't even understand all the things that you're reading, you still read, you study, you consume. Because when you do that, something incredible happens. The Word becomes empowered by the Spirit of God, and it starts to actively reveal God's heart, His heart for you through the Word. It's this beautiful marriage between the Word and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. The Word comes alive. So what does this active part of the, of the word look like in our lives? I mean, what does it speak to? Well, then when you look at the back end of that passage, Hebrews 4.12, it tells you now what the word actually does. It starts to separate us and speak to different parts of who we are. Again, this is just an overview. I could spend three months just talking about this verse. So you get the, uh, the light version because we, we have lunch, right? We have places to go, things to eat, right? So what does this active word speak to? First, the soul and the spirit. What does this mean? The soul is the human part of you, your personality, how you think, not just your physical body, your emotions. That's all part of your soul. It's what makes you, you. And the spirit is the part of you that God has awakened when you become fully alive in Christ. As, as human beings, we are physical, we are soul, we are spirit. We're built, you know, kind of like um, the Trinity, but that's another talk, Right? So why is it important for the Word to speak to these different parts of us? Well, sometimes we try to lead our spiritual part through non-spiritual means. We allow our, our physical body and we allow our emotions to lead us in spiritual matters when we're really supposed to allow the spirit man to lead us in those things. Sometimes we're led from our, our emotions rather than the Word of God empowered by the Spirit. Have you ever allowed your emotions to lead you into places that you don't belong? Have you ever had your emotions get you in trouble? Have you ever noticed that it's hard to be led by spiritual things when you're emotionally upset or you're mad? Have you ever made decrees when you're upset that you wish you had never said? Have you ever done anything like that with your children? 
They did something dumb, and you're like, you know, you are grounded forever. <laughs> and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah, right? Then you come back, maybe forever was a little too long. How about a day? <laughs> right? Have you ever allowed your emotions to get you in trouble? Sometimes we put reason to the side, and we're led by emotions. I remember uh, years ago, I was in high school, and we were, um, I was in 10th grade, and we were coming back on a bus football team was coming back, and we had just had our first scrimmage. I played, you know, football in Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, and football's a big deal there. Our home stadium sat 5,000 that we packed out every Friday night. Our rival high school, Woodland Hills, sat 10,000. That's where Gronkowski played. Jerk. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. We were coming back from a, um, from a scrimmage before the beginning of the year, and um, we just didn't play well, and it upset me. I was an intense competitor, and I'm sitting on the bus, and I'm kind of upset, and I'm thinking of the assignments that I blew as a 10th grader, and, uh, and I'm not even paying attention, and I'm kind of into myself, and, and some guy was behind me. He was goofing around, and he kept hitting me, he pushing me, jerk. They even, I didn't even turn around. I didn't even know who it was. I said, you push me one more time. I said, you're going to have a problem, buddy. He says, oh, yeah? And he pushed me. And our bus is moving. I stood up on the bus, and I turned around. And little did I know that who was sitting behind me was Big Mike. Big Mike was like 6'6". He ended up going to, to, to pit on a full ride. He was a tackle. And he stood up, and he just kept standing up. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? It was like a movie. I was like, oh, no, it's Big Mike. <laughs> and he took his finger, and he pushed it right in the middle of my chest. He said, Harris... Me and you, when the bus stops, right in the parking lot. And I said, fine. <laughs> I sat down, and the first thought that popped into my head was, what are you doing? I've never even been in a fight. What do you do? How do you stay? I mean, <laughs> what do you do? I don't know what to do. I have all my equipment on, my shoulder pads, my helmet, but I don't think Big Mike would let me fight with my helmet on. Maybe he would, I don't know. So the whole time we're doing on the bus, he's whispering in my ear, you're a dead man, Harris. You're a dead man, Harris. And I'm thinking, I'm a dead man. I'm going to die. So we get to the school, throw our stuff in there, and I come out, and Big Mike's waiting there, and there's a little crowd there. It's me and Big Mike. I'm about the size I am now. Big Mike is 6'6". 280, 290. And I'll never forget this. We were squaring off, and I thought to myself, this is, this is where I end. My emotions got me into this. And as I stood there, he took one step toward me, and all of a sudden, I was a running back. One of our other running backs, the smallest one we had named Boomer, jumped through the air, punched Big Mike in the eyeball. You know, Boomer was like 5'4", and he said, you stay away from him! And I was like, thank God for Boomer! And Mike goes, I was just playing, and he ran off, and I was like, you're amazing. And he was a senior running back. And he came up to me and says, TJ says, um, I would not pick fights with guys that are almost 300 pounds. I'm like, good to know. Good. I'm going to put that down. It's a good note. Good to know. Here's the moral of the story. Sometimes your emotions get you into problems. Do not allow your emotions to help you to make spiritual decisions. You can't. That's why we need the word. When you do that, you get into trouble. As believers of the word, we orient our lives around what the word of God says, not about how we feel. 
Now, how you feel is important. Do you know that God gave you your emotions? He did, but you can't be led by them because sometimes they deceive you. So the word separates us into two, and he speaks to both parts of who we are. He speaks to the soul part of who we are. What does he do to our soul? He saves and he redeems us. Look at James 1.21. It says this. So get rid of all the filth and the evil of your lives and humbly accept the word, of God, the word uh, God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your The word speaks to your soul and saves it. To the spirit, the word empowers. John 6.63 says this. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you. They are full of the spirit and life. So may your soul be redeemed and may your spirit be empowered. Beloved, today we need both. Your soul needs to be redeemed. You don't throw your, your, your emotions away, but they need to be redeemed. And we need believers that are empowered today. Now let me, let me frame for you what empowered means. That, that doesn't mean that we rise up and we stick it to the man. That means that God gives us the power that we need to actually be the church. To see people set free, see the sick healed, to see those that are walking in darkness released. That's what our world needs. That is a spirit-empowered church. And the last time I checked, the church is a people, not a place. You're the church, not this building. So be released. That's the first thing that happens. Second, the word speaks to the joints and the marrow. Now, this is interesting. The joints of your body are where your, your two bones meet. They come together. How many of you have knees? How many of you have elbows? How many of you can tell me what the weather's going to be tomorrow by your knees, <laughs> by your elbows, right? A little arthritis right there. So your joints, are they connect the bone to bone. And the, the marrow is the fatty substance in the cavity of the bones to which blood cells are produced. Red blood cells, white blood cells. So the word separates and it speaks to the outer parts of our lives, how we connect with each other, and the inner parts of our lives, the things that fuel us. Do you know that God created us first to connect with each other? He did. The worst thing I think we did when it came to Christianity was we made this little personal relationship with Christ. You were never designed to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You were always designed to live together with people. The church together is strong. You as a Christian all by yourself is just waiting to get picked off. How many of you remember Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? We'd watch it every Sunday night, and every Sunday night was the same thing. You're watching this, this little cool little herd of zebra, and all of a sudden you hear the music change, and the camera pants to the one little zebra just doing his own thing all by itself, and then what do you see in the tall grass? The lions, you're dun, dun, dun. You know what's going to happen to Fred the zebra. He's going to be dinner. Don't be Fred. God called us to be together. The Word shows us how to do this. Shows us how to link together. This is what Ephesians 4.32 says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You have somebody in this room that gives you a problem? Be kind to them tenderhearted, forgive them because Christ forgave you. Philippians 2, 3 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. 
We are not a Walmart. We're not a Target, or if you're really fancy, a Target. We are not built to take care of your consumer needs. That's not the church. The church is not something you go to because they got the cool stuff that you like. The church is something that you anchor to, you become a part of, an active part of, a living stone, and we move forward together. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, Pastor, I don't like that. I mean, I know, now our church, we don't, we don't complain about stuff like that. We're way beyond consumerism. Pastor, is there any chance we can get Starbucks coffee? Yes, if you buy it. If you don't, it's Folgers. No, it's not Folgers. It's not Folgers. It's better than that. John 13, 34 says this. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. The word shows us how to connect properly with each other. It's a beautiful thing. If you ever don't know how to treat somebody, if you ever don't know how to groove with somebody, go to the Word. The Word even tells us how to deal with things when you have relational fractures. Go to Matthew 18, read it. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. This person hurt me. If you tell me that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to that person. And then usually I hear, but, 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 I just want to complain. I don't want to talk about it. You have to talk about it because we want it fixed. Right? So what's the marrow? The marrow speaks to your inner life. Like the blood spells your, your marrow produces. The word empowers you with health from the inside out. It's God's heart that you are at peace with him. Shalom, whole. For years in the church, we thought if we could just take care of the outside, the inside would follow. You know, if we could just, you know, women put your hair in a bun. The higher the bun, the more holy you are. You know, no, no, no. You know, women, they, you ever notice a lot of this is, is about women? Women weren't allowed to wear red. You know why you, you weren't allowed to wear red? Because everybody knows that that's what the devil wears. Because we have photographic evidence of the devil wearing red. <laughs> right? We've seen it. It's there, right? We thought if we could just not go to movie theaters and do all these things, that God would take care of everything else. And then we discovered something. It's not the outside that changes the inside. It's the inside that spills into the outside. And God happens to be more concerned with this than this. That's why I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops today. And you know what's funny? I'll probably get two or three emails. And I'll pass them along to you. Some of you are like, how do I get that email back? (laughs) Come on, thumbs work, thumbs work. God is concerned with your inner life. The Bible speaks to your inner life. It fuels your inner life. God's heart is not that you survive, but you have abundant life. Abundant life is a byproduct of the living word working in your life. If you take in the word and you allow him to do it, it's just like the marrows. It starts to produce the spiritual blood cells that you need to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Regardless of the season, Regardless of your environment, regardless of the things that you face. Psalm 1, 1 says this. Oh, the joys of those who don't, do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. That's the word, by the way. 
They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Your environment does not dictate your spiritual vitality. It just doesn't. If you are planted and anchored in the Word, you will produce fruit even in those dry seasons. The marrow, God empowering your inner life so that you can be the church, so you can be the hope of the world. So how are you doing in the life department? If you're struggling, if you feel weak, if you feel overwhelmed, consume the Word. Consume it. Every day, consume it. Third, the Word speaks to our thoughts and our intentions. All from Hebrews 4.12. The, uh, the word there, the Greek word for thoughts, actually means your deliberations, your decisions. Those inward ways that you decide things. So here's the question. From what lens do you make your decisions from? Is your decision-making lens the Word, or is it something else? How do we usually make our decisions? What usually prompts us, compels us to make our decisions? You know the number one thing that usually fuels us to make our decisions? You ready for this? Pain. Pain. From pain, we learn to make decisions. We learn to react a certain way. All of you have experienced decision-altering pain. Whether that's stepping on a Lego at 2 in the morning. Have you ever noticed when you step on a Lego at 2 in the morning, it never ends well? <laughs> and you fall over, so like that. What if you've altered you know, your decision. You were going to get a glass of milk, but now you stepped on the Lego, and you, it has altered your plan. Pain. Fear. Worry. All of those things, by the way, are learned. They're all learned. From either things that you've walked through or things that you've watched others walk through. So the question again is, what is the lens from where you make your decisions? Have you ever had to make a decision by the word, even though you didn't feel like it, but you knew you had to do it? One of the best examples we see this, again, I'm not speaking to anything that's not in my life, is when we give. How many of you have found out that sometimes it's not a convenient time for you to give to the kingdom, give money to the kingdom. Have you ever noticed when God asks you usually to give the most is when you have the least? Why is that? God is showing us the lens for giving isn't our comfort level, it's not our emotions, it's what the Word says, and we just, we just follow through that. I had a cool encounter yesterday. I, you know, Toby's got his first job. May Jesus be praised. Because gas is expensive. You know what I'm talking about? So we sat down and we said, okay, this is how this works. This is your paycheck. You know, this is, this is, this is what God gets. It's the first thing, right? So put some money in savings, blah, blah, blah. And okay, this is what he gets, blah, blah, blah. So I was with him yesterday. He did his first little thing, put it on the app. Did it feel good to hit that button? Yeah, yeah it did feel good. Did you ever think, like, how many milkshakes I can get for that, that $20? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do it. Why do we do it? Because we're not led by our emotions, we're not led by our fears, we are anchored by the Word. If you're anchored by the Word, your decisions, that lens for your decision making is the Word of God, not us and our feelings and our fallenness. Proverbs 3.5 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and hold straight, make straight your paths. We lean on his understanding. Even when we don't understand, we believe this. He does. And he causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and they're called according to his purpose. And then, the other part of this, the thoughts and the intentions. The Greek word for intention is noe, which actually means this, your moral understanding. The Bible is our moral compass. It is. It's important that the Bible stays as a church. It's right in the center. It is our moral compass. The Word helps us to live our lives oriented around Christ. If you don't take in the Word, then your morality is replaced by popular opinion. And one of the things you need to know about popular opinion and all the best stuff we have in the world is that it's not enough. Man, left to his own devices, always, always ends up bad. Always. We have thousands of years of history to tell us that's always the case. We need someone outside of us to pull us up to where they are. Our moral understanding comes from God. It does. He is our anchor. So in times of moral dilemma, what do you do? You put your nose in the book. You read. Now here's the tricky part for us as believers. How many of you know that sometimes you can speak the truth and it's wrong? I know, you're looking at me like, what you talking about, Willis? The Bible didn't tell you to speak the truth. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in, in love. Sometimes we can use the truth and kill people with the truth. The truth apart from love is nothing. About a month ago, the world was kind of shook up a little bit because uh, uh, Putin, in one of his addresses, actually quoted a scripture. Do you remember this? No greater love than this, and a man lays down his life for his friend. And he used that scripture to motivate the Russian armies, saying, you need to stand for your comrade and wipe out the Ukrainians. Now, I don't know what your, your thoughts are on the war or any of that other stuff. I just know this. You can take the truth. How many of you know that that statement's true? And you could use it in a way that, that hurts people. As a church, we can't do that. So the moral compass of the word leads us, but not just in, in just black and white words and like a, like a hammer. We, we filter that through who God is, through the Spirit, through love. And we become the best church that we could possibly be. All that comes from us consuming the Word. Psalm 119.11 says this, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Our moral compass. If you want to be used by God, not just in power, but in alignment with His heart, you have to consume the Word every day. So what do we do with this? Again, this series is a meat and potato series. This is the basis of our faith. Well, you have to take in the Word. Now, here at Trinity, we are passionate about you growing in your faith. It's one of our, our three things. We love God and people extravagantly. We're committed to growing in our faith and helping others to grow in theirs. And then we're committed to sharing our faith in our lives with others. So the grow part of this for us is practical and simple. We have our grow nights on Wednesday night. Actually, we just ended them for the season. But we do another thing that's pretty exciting. We have a daily devotional. How many of you currently get our daily devotional? 
What is our daily devotional? It's a daily intake of the word. You can read it. You can get in there. You can let it get into your spirit. You can let it get into your heart because the word is alive. It's active. So I want to encourage you. If you're not part of the devotional, you see the signs there. I don't know if we have a slide or not for that. If we do, throw it up there. It'll show you what to text to so that you can actually get it. You'll see the little signs everywhere. Uh, we have it on Facebook. Uh, you can email us. We'll throw you on the email list. Another practical thing to do is this. How many of you have the U version of the Bible on your phone? There's like a billion little devotional things, reminders and stuff. Get your nose in the book. Get on a devotional plan. Take in the word every day. And then this is my most favorite thing. Just open your Bible every day. Read a chapter every day. It will change you. My youth pastor, when I got saved, he told me, he says, you opened a book. Um, I didn't have a Bible, so he gave me a little Bible, a good news for modern man. It was cool. You know why? It had cartoons in it. And I read a chapter, he used to read a chapter every night. And I did. I didn't even understand half of it. And I still remember this. After about five, six months of reading, one day things started to click. You know why? Because the word's alive. Some of you have been praying for God to use you. Some of you have been praying for God to make you effective. Some of you have been praying for God to take you to the next level. Some of you are tired of just being thrown around, tossed around in the sea. If God's been speaking those things to you, the way for you to take your next step is to consume the word. Know him. Know him. Bow your heads with me. What I want to do real quick as we end is I just want us to take a moment. You heard me talk a lot about the word today. I just want you to talk to God real quick and just ask him this question. Say, Lord, what, is, what do you want me to get out of today? What are practical things that can change and shift in my life? And listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.